0: Hello again, everybody. Life Scott back with you for the Low Hud Sports Podcast, joined by Vincent Z. Mercogliano, the wrestling beat writer as we've gone through the uh, sectional tournaments over the weekend, and basically everybody's ticket uh, up to the capital city of Albany has been punched at this point. Um, Vin, let's start with the uh, the news of the day. Wild Cards for States, um, well, they haven't been released yet, but, um, you know, you, you have sources, so you kind of know what's going on. First of all, let's start out, uh, let's talk about how they're determined um, and who's going from section one.
1: Yeah, well, how they're determined is pretty complicated and I get asked about this all week. Uh, if you see my emails this week, everybody wants to know what the exact formula is. To be honest with you, I, I couldn't tell you What the exact formula is. There's a lot of factors that go into it. Whether you've been to the state tournament before, whether you've placed up there, whether you've won your section before, whether you've placed at your section before, what kind of quality opponents you've wrestled and more importantly beaten over the course of the season. Head-to-head matchups factor in, but a lot of it is also based on the performance of your section at state's. Now, Section 1, especially in the large school ranks, Division 1 has been in that upper echelon for the last few years because they've been placing top four, top three. So that earns them some extra points. But what I found out earlier today, based on a conversation with Section 1 coordinator Jamie Block, is that another thing that escalated the points for Section 1 this year is that we have... The high, one of the higher numbers of total teams in Division 1. And what I'm told is the reason that we were able to max out on those points in terms of the depth in the section and the number of teams in the section is because HUD this year went from Division 2 up to Division 1. And that one extra team bumped Section 1 up into what I guess would be the upper echelon of sections in terms of how many total teams they have. Not just performance, but how many total teams they have. And that Benefited section one because it got them some extra points this year and what you have based on that is I can say at this moment Unofficially, I believe it will be official around five o'clock But at this moment that we're recording it is unofficial that section one will break its record from 2010 With the most wild cards that they've ever received the record in 2010 was 14 as of right now It looks like we're going to get 15 and what's surprising about that? Is that 14 of the 15 are from Division I. The only small school kid right now who will be getting a wild card is Kyle Sams of Putnam Valley at 132 pounds. That one was expected because Sam's was a two-time section champ, was in arguably the you know toughest weight class at sectionals uh, for Section One this year, ends up taking second to his teammate Jared Eliopoulos, but Kyle Sams will be the only Division II wrestler going from Section I as a wild card. But then you go up to Division I. Right now, the list is 14, and that's not even including the six alternates. Now, the alternates, it's it's unlikely that they're going to end up making it there. But there are 14 guys who, as of right now, unofficially look like they're going to be heading to Albany. I'll run through the list really quickly. At 99 pounds, we're going to have two guys. Dennis Robin, a freshman from Arlington, and Garrett Semenitz, a senior from Mimarinic. Garrett was the defending section champion last year, so it was kind of expected that he would get in there. And Robin was the runner-up this year. At 106 pounds, you've got C.J. McMonigle, a sophomore from North Rockland. At 113 pounds, it looks like we're also going to get two wild cards in that weight class. You've got Brandon D. Domenico, a senior from Lakeland Panis, and Mark Atchison, a junior from Tappan Z. At 120 pounds, Ulysses Almeido. He's a senior from Arlington. At 138 pounds, you've got Ray Cotto, a senior from John Jay. At 152 pounds, we've got Brian Nickbon, a senior from Suffren. At 160, Aaron Walk, a sophomore from Horace Greeley. Two guys at 170, and this was an important weight class because you not only have the sectional runner-up and Jacob Ferrara, junior from Horace Greeley, but you've also got Jake Logan who took third. He's a sophomore from Nourishell who was a section champion last year, got caught in a really tough weight class, didn't get a great seed this year, but I think he's a guy that even though he's sneaking in as a wild card, could go up to states and end up on the podium as a state place finisher. A couple more to get to 182: Javon Innocent, a senior from East Ramapo. His teammate at 220, Josh Jean-Baptiste, another senior from East Ramapo. And the final wild card from Section 1 to make it is at 285, Jaquez Poole, a senior from Arlington. He's actually the third Arlington guy to get a wild card. So that's a really, really impressive list. Fourteen guys in Division 1 are going up there as wild cards, and that has never happened before.
0: All right. Well, um, we're going to talk later on with uh, Pleasantville coach Bob Bernarducci. But before we do, let's talk about your column from this week. Um, You know, it's a great group of guys that are going up there. A really talented group of wrestlers, and it would have been even stronger if not for injuries. Um, Princeton-bound senior John J. Connor Melbourne out with a knee injury, so he wasn't able to compete. Uh, And now now Nanuet senior Connor Connor Bright out. um, I believe it's a labrum injury. Yeah, those two
1: are kind of the biggest names, and I wrote about this in my column uh, the other day. Melbourne... We all know about the injury he suffered at divisionals. Uh, he ran into Matt Grippy, who, as you know, everybody knows, is one of the best pound-for-pound guys, not only in the section but in the state. He injures his, his knee in that match. It, it had been an ongoing knee injury, but I think he just tweaked it when Grippy took him down in the first period of that match. They were holding out hope all week that Connor was going to wrestle. There were rumors swirling around. I was getting text messages and tweets from people saying, is he out? Is he in? I heard he's out. They didn't decide until Saturday morning. They were really holding out hope, but I saw Connor walking around on Saturday, and, and he was walking with a noticeable limp. I had a chance to chat with him for a little bit. He said the doctors are telling him that he needs to take at least eight weeks off, and if he wrestles with it, there's a chance that that he could hurt it even worse and end up needing surgery on that MCL in his left knee. So, unfortunately for Connor, who's a guy that's been knocking on the door, he's been all state. He was a, he would have been a state title contender. He's going to be out, and he had to do so thinking towards his future because for Connor, you know, he's got four years, maybe five years ahead of him at Princeton to wrestle. So he didn't want to go in there with any kind of a lingering knee issue. So it made sense for him to to sit out as much as I know it really hurt him to do so. And then Connor Bright is a guy that's going to Marist on a football scholarship. Now he messed up his labrum in his right shoulder up at Eastern States in the middle of January. He was holding out hope he would make it back, but again, I saw him over the weekend as well. He's walking around with his arm and a sling. And it just stinks because he's another guy that was all state. Both of these guys would have went up there. They would have won big points for Section 1. If not state champions, I'm sure they would have been on the podium somewhere considering they were on the podium last year. But the list really goes on deeper than that. I mean, you could look at Suffern, which was really banged up this year. I think if Suffern had its full roster, they might have been able to make a red at that team title in Division I. And I could go up and down. I'm not going to name names because some of these guys are going to states, and, and we might not want word leaking out about you know, which injury hurting them. But I can name a couple guys that I know need offseason surgery, a handful of other guys that I know are wrestling with pretty severe injuries right now and just battling through the pain. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, based on these conversations that I was having with these wrestlers and with these coaches and with people that were concerned, you know, maybe the Section 1 team that's going up to states isn't going to be quite as strong as we were hoping for in the preseason. It got me thinking, you know, when, when we look at these wrestlers, and I've written about this many times, and I definitely don't want this to be misconstrued because I have a tremendous amount of respect for the work ethic of these wrestlers. But when you were, look at what they put their bodies through all year long— It's no secret that the club culture in this area has absolutely exploded in the last five to 10 years. The clubs are sprouting out everywhere. John Deagle's uh, Iowa style in, in Somers is probably the biggest one, but they're all over the place now. And what we see is that these kids are now dedicating themselves to wrestling all year round. I can name very few top-notch wrestlers who are multi-sport athletes. These guys are concentrating on wrestling all the time. And what I hear about often during the season is guys that will be at a high school practice for two or three hours, and then afterwards go to a club to get another workout in. Now, that could add up to four, five, six hours on the mat in a given day. And my concern, and I know the concern that a lot of coaches have expressed to me, is that this is is burning guys out not only mentally which which in a lot of ways it clearly is because they're putting all kinds of pressure on themselves to win but physically to have your body twisted and contorted in all kinds of ways day in and day out and give your body very little time to rest it's a dangerous slippery slope uh, talking to some experts on this subject, talking to some doctors, you know, they re- they really stressed it. You kind of have to recognize your body. One coach said to me, you have to know your wrestlers and know that if their performance is starting to level off or even tail off a little bit, then maybe you need to take a step back and reevaluate and say, you know what, I think you need a little downtime here. Or you know what, maybe let's spend today watching film or going over some of the mental aspects of your game rather than pushing your body to its limits. Because the, the real thing that you want is you want to peak at the end of the season. When the postseason comes around, when sectionals, and especially heading into states, you want to feel like you are at your absolute best. And life is somebody who re- wrestled. I'm sure you could speak to this you you don't want to push yourself past that limit and you want
0: to make sure that your body is in peak physical condition when you need it to be so one of the notes that we have here um uh, is is 50 matches too much and you know back when i was a high school wrestler back in the dim times one of my former professors would say um which is to say back in the mid 90s um in new jersey there was a strict limit of the number of matches you could have going into uh the district tournament which is the equivalent uh, in new york state of the sectional tournament i believe that the number was 28 but it might have been 32 and then if you wrestled all the way to um a state place match so a fifth place final a third uh, third place consolation final or the state final uh in atlantic city i believe it would have been three matches at the districts or maybe four if you came out of a pigtail three or four at the region and another four to five at the state total so that's approximately 45 to 50 total matches in the year and that's at the upper end and it seems like here in new york uh, kids are generally wrestling at least 35 matches plus coming into the sectional tournament if not more and then even more as they go through the state tournament so is that number too high are they wrestling too many matches Do they need to limit the number of matches in the regular season do you think
1: I think it's definitely worth exploring, and I know a lot of coaches feel strongly about this. Now, you mentioned New Jersey. Out of curiosity, I looked, because you know the quality of wrestling in New Jersey is very high, and I went and looked at some of the top teams, the top programs that we know of in New Jersey, and what I found striking was the records were like 19-2, and 21-3, and, and these they're at the same exact point in their season as we are here in New York. So it goes to show you that other states are being a little more cautious about this than we are here. Now, what several coaches pointed out to me, which is an excellent point, is that we, we started this program by talking about wild cards. Now, one of the ways that you get yourself extra points to potentially earn a wild card spot is based on your win-loss differential. The maximum amount of points you can get is 35, which means you want to be 35 matches over 500. So in theory, and, and I quoted suffering coach Chris Mattiotti on this in the column, in theory, it's better for you in terms of your wild card points to be 45 and 10 than it would to be let's say 30 and 1 even though the winning percentage is much better if you're 30 and 1 and your body isn't taking as much abuse in order to put yourself in a position to get a wild card the more matches in in essence the better so that's something that's maybe worth exploring and talking about not only here in section 1 but but throughout the state and again, I would really like to stress this, is that this is not a knock on anybody. I really think that what makes wrestlers so unique and what has helped elevate wrestling in this area is that kids have that mindset where I want to outwork my opponents. I want to work harder than anybody else if I'm not putting the time in somebody else's. And that's great. You should be putting the extra time in. You should be training as hard as you can. But you also need to understand your body and just train smart. That was the main thing. Uh, Grant Paswell from GPS Wrestling in Armont gave me this quote, and I think it's a good one. It's train smart, wrestle hard. You want to make sure that you're training in the proper way. And then once you get out on the mat, that is the point when you hold nothing back.
0: All right, well, let's take a look back at sectionals. It was a memorable two days rather than three days, of course, because of the, uh, the second snowfall of uh, the recent weeks, uh, pushing all of Division One onto Saturday after we had planned for the finals to be on Sunday. Everything got compressed. We had to juggle a few things, but, you know, all the magic uh, came together for the most part. We'll start with Division One because we're going to talk to Bob Bernarducci of uh, Pleasantville in a little bit. But, um, you know, the team race, Division One turned out to be a little closer than we expected.
1: Yeah, I I think a big part of that is, as we mentioned, the Melbourne injury. That cost John Jay some big points right there. You know, they still won by a relatively comfortable margin, but going into the the semifinals and even the finals, it was super, super tight between John Jay and Arlington. I know a lot of people in the home gym at Arlington were, were rooting for the Admirals because this is Coach Fred Perry's last year, and they would have liked to see him go out with a title. I believe his best finish was second, in the past, which they duplicated on Saturday, John Jay ends up holding off. But it was a little bit closer, just just because John Jay's pretty banged up right now. Uh, but it goes to show you that they could lose arguably their best wrestler and still win the team title. I mean, that that kind of goes to show you just how, how great that team is and has been for the last couple of years.
0: Um, you know, I, I look at some of the the notes and, and the results, um, and it kind of like Yonkers Raceway, the uh, the favorites won uh, twelve of the fifteen weight classes, and good for you. Uh, you know amateur handicapper that you are you picked 14 of the 15 winners in uh, division 1
1: yeah uh, my predictions actually i and i think i i got them all right in division 2 this year so that if that's 29 out of 30 that's that's pretty good i i should probably maybe if there's any places to pass, place bets on section 1 wrestling maybe i should think about that In the future, not that they were advocating for gambling, of course, but uh, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, it played out how I thought it would 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 in almost every weight class. The one weight class I got wrong in division two was 145 pounds, and the main reason for that was because the guy I picked to win it ended up tearing his labrum and couldn't wrestle that day. Uh, Anthony Guccione from suffering. Anthony's a great kid. He came up to me afterwards and was basically like, "Sorry, I disappointed you." And I was like, "Anthony, it's don't worry about it, man. It's not your fault. I hope you heal up and feel better." but yeah, I mean, for for the most part, we had the one seeds taking care of business. Uh, the the one the weight classes where the one seed didn't win, I think, was kind of predictable. One of them was 99 pounds. Mm-hmm. I picked Ivan Garcia from Port Chester to win just because I've been so impressed with him. This kid, for a freshman who's been wrestling since a very young age, he's got those genes where he's had family members that, that have also been very good wrestlers. It was no surprise to me to see him win, although I will say that I was surprised by the manner in which he won. I did not see him winning by a major decision in the finals, which is what he did against Dennis Robin from Arlington. But Ivan Garcia is a guy that I I, I think has a very good chance to go up to the state tournament in place and will be a factor for years to come because, again, he's only a freshman. Another weight class where the one seed didn't win was at 132 pounds. Uh, that's where Luca Erico from Byram Hills won. Again, that was my pick there because I really like Luca. Uh, I, I thought Luca, when he had been wrestling at 126, was one of those guys who deserved to be a section champion, but was stuck behind an all-state guy and Randy Earl. So the smart, the smart decision for him was to go up to 132 pounds, which he did. He ends up coming out victorious, and I looked at that weight class as being wide open in a lot of ways because. I knew that the number four seed, Crew Fullerton from Marinick, had wrestled the number one seed, Joe Sasso from Greeley, really tough at the Westchester County tournaments. That was an overtime match. So I picked Fullerton to pull off the upset in the semis, which he did, another overtime match between those two. And then Luca ends up beating Fullerton in the finals at 132 pounds. And then also at 145, which was where I had picked Guccione. We talked about this in the previous podcast. With Matt Grippy going up to 152, I thought that that was the most wide-open weight class that turned out to be the case. And, And the guy who won it, you know, deserves a lot of credit, Mike Criscione from North Rockland. I found out, I didn't know this until I talked to him after he won, he didn't start wrestling until he was a sophomore. So he'd only been wrestling for two years, he's a senior now, and he ends up becoming a section champion. Now that speaks a little bit to the openness of that weight class, but what it really speaks to is the work ethic and dedication of Mike to be able to turn himself into a section champion in such a short period of time. So those were the three weight classes where the one seed didn't win, but like I said, in each one, I think you could sort of see it coming. Alright, well, 29 guys heading up to Albany. Who are the big names to watch? You have to start with the middleweights. Uh, Matt Grippy from Fox Lane at 152 and Grant Cuomo at 160 from Brewster. To me, They're 1A and 1B. Those are Section 1's best chances for state championships. I think you could even make an argument that they're both the favorite, although it's tougher to say that for Cuomo because there is a defending state champion in his weight class. We've talked about this before. Ryan Farrow from Warwick, state champion last year. Him and Cuomo ran into each other in the Shoreline Finals at the beginning of January right after the new year. Cuomo... Really had his way with him in the first period. Had a 4-0 lead. Put him to his back twice. Once Farrow, on one occasion Farrow asked for injury time, which is why he didn't get back points in that spot. But Cuomo admittedly, you know, he called it a JV mistake when we spoke, gets thrown to his back and pinned himself in the second period. I know that one has been burning him ever since. He goes on and win East, won Eastern States in, in pretty dominant fashion, and trust me, he's got his eyes on Farrow. They're going to be the number one, two seeds, I have no doubt about it, and I fully expect that to be the state championship, match. It should be a great one because this is kind of becoming a rivalry now. So Cuomo, in a lot of ways, I think you could say has a 50-50 shot of winning up at states. In Grippy's case, I kind of think he's going to be the one seed. We don't know. We won't see the seeds until next week, but Grippy is a guy that's been building towards this. He was a state finalist last year in his sophomore season. He ran into you know Yanni Dacmahalis, who we've talked about before. He's injured this year, but he's one of the best wrestlers ever to come out of New York State. This year at 152, there's some decent depth. Uh, there's a, the, the two guys that were in the Eastern States finalists, uh, Peter Pappas and Evan Barzak. That's probably Grippy's biggest competition. But I know Grippy's uh, wrestled them before, and, and to be quite honest with you, I, I think that Grippy you know might might be the guy to beat there i i would maybe put his chances at winning a little over 50 percent. beyond that division two i think the best bet we have for a state champion is clifton wong from edgemont this is going to be his fourth trip up there he's a four-time section champ he's going to harvard to wrestle next year this guy is no joke he seems to take his game to another level each year Last year, I believe he ended up finishing third at 170 pounds. He's at 182 pounds this year. I'm going to have to look a little more closely in the, in the coming days at, at what else there is around the state in that weight class, but Cliff is a guy that, no doubt about it, I think has a great shot at getting to the state finals and maybe winning it all. So those are three guys to watch in terms of you know could-be state champions, but I think there's going to be a lot of guys placing. Now, last year we had 22 guys placed at the state tournament, which shattered the previous Section, record, section 1 record of 18. Will we get to 22 again? I'm not so sure. But I think that there's a lot of guys that will be in that top five, maybe top three, maybe even get to the finals mix. I mentioned Garcia at 99 pounds. Chris Perry from Yorktown at 106 pounds. He was third at Eastern States. This kid has come on strong pretty much out of nowhere. He's only in eighth grade. I fully expect him to place. You go to 126 pounds. I mentioned Randy Earl. Earl's been all state. He's the guy that I think is pretty close with the top guys in his weight class and if things fall his way he, he could end up maybe even being a state championship type of guy at, a, at 126 pounds then you move up to the upper weights a little bit more you look at 170 Jordan Wallace from New Rochelle. he was an Eastern States finalist I mentioned Jake Logan before from New Rochelle, also at 170 pounds him as a wild card is somebody that I think you got to watch out for and then the big guys from John Jay Evan Frank at 182 pounds he was third in the state last year, and the guy I'm really, really watching closely, who I think has kind of flown under the radar, and you could make a case that's had a, the best season of anybody on that loaded John Jay team, is Halil Getguy at 220 pounds. He's only got one loss, he took third at Eastern States, and I love the way this kid wrestles. For a big guy, he's athletic, he's fast, and he starts every match as if his singlet is on fire. I mean, I love the way that he comes out super aggressive for every match that he wrestles. Division 2, I don't think there's quite as much depth coming out of Section 1. I mentioned Wong as probably the best chance for a state champion. But Satoshi Abe at 126 from Putnam Valley is a guy that I really like and and think we could see on the podium. Jack Chessman from Pearl River. There's a couple guys from Pearl River. Anthony Malfitano, Sean McGarvey. uh, Constantine George up top at 285 from Putnam Valley is a guy that maybe could place but I think probably the top two guys for in, uh, for Division two are Wong and Abe, and then we'll see. You know, hopefully there's some names that I'm not mentioning of guys who will come out of nowhere, place, and then put their name on the map.
0: All right. Well, next week uh, it's going to be state previews all week, going into the uh, the weekend up in Albany. Uh, Monday, media day up at John Jay and Cross River. Uh, Bill Fager hosting everybody for practice again. You're going to be up there. You're going to be talking to some of the guys, uh, doing some video, maybe even some audio. Uh, keeping up with uh, everything that's going on, and then uh, meet the champs all week on the Lowhud Wrestling blog. And uh, tell us a little bit before we uh, go to Bob Bernarducci, uh, Division Two. what did you guys talk about? Yeah, I,
1: I got to give credit to Pleasant, but we just talked about how most of my predictions were accurate. But uh, the one thing I was definitely wrong on was the Division Two team race. I had said that I thought Putnam Valley would finish ahead of Pearl River, and I was right about that. But what I didn't factor in was that Pleasantville would leapfrog them both and end up taking that Division II championship. I liked Pleasantville's chances to finish third. I, I knew that they were coming on strong. They had a really good dual meet team because they're one of the few small school uh, squads that can really fill out every weight class. They finished third at the Westchester County Championships, which also was an eye opener. And maybe that should have, you know, I should have thought more deeply about that before I made my pick. But Pleasantville ends up shocking everybody, winning their first section championship since 2010. And, and, you know, huge kudos to Coach Bernaducci because they didn't have as many individual champions as Putnam Valley and Pearl River did, but they really got it done with their depth. I believe they had 12 guys place, and, and now Pleasantville, out of nowhere, probably the most unpredictable part of the weekend was them becoming the Division II champions.
0: All right. Well, coming up next, it's Vin Mercogliano and Pleasantville head coach Bob Bernaducci.
1: Okay, now joining us by the phone is the coach of the Pleasantville Panthers, who are now the current Division II champion, Bob Bernaducci. Bob, thanks for being with us.
2: Oh, thank you for having me, Vince. I appreciate it.
1: Well, first off, c- congratulations, because I have to tell you, I, I had a feeling you guys were, were going to definitely be in the top three, but I did not see the team championship coming. I- I'm curious, from your point of view, did you have any indication that you guys might be able to finish in first this year?
2: Um, I. I- Similar to what you said, I think we were, we definitely were in those top three. But the the thing that concerned me a little was I kind of saw Pearl River's Putnam Valley having more champions than us, and that might be enough to hold us off.
1: It, it looks like, though, the difference was you guys had somebody placed not quite in every weight but in, in the majority of the weight. So you think that depth is what ultimately what paid off for you guys?
2: Uh, yeah, it really did. Um, we had 12 guys placed, and I had 15 wrestlers who won at least one match in the tournament.
1: I mean, were there were there some guys, we'll get into the champions in a minute, but were there some guys that maybe surprised you with how well they did? Uh, yeah,
2: I think w- one of my big surprises was Nayshawn Marks, who was behind Lenny all season at 106. And uh, he just stepped up and wrestled really, uh, really tough, especially on his feet, and took fourth place. And also, uh, Carlos DeJesus, one of our seniors, was in a 120-pound weight class with Victor, and um, he took third place, but he, I believe every win he had in the tournament was a pin, and he, um, he beat two wrestlers who had beaten him during the year. Were you
1: stressing to your guys going into the tournament that, that pins and every little extra point that you can pick up are going to be important?
2: Yeah, that was our stress point today before we were saying, you know, it's, it's, it's going to have to be a team effort. We're not going to have as many champs. Um, bonus points are huge. So if you're beating somebody and um, you're up by seven, get that eighth point. If you're beating somebody by a lot, get that 10, and vice versa. If somebody's beating you, stay off your back.
1: It seems like in terms of the numbers, your depth is pretty good. I know for dual meets, you were putting out pretty much a full lineup. Have you sensed that you guys were building this depth and that you were building towards something where you would get back into that section title conversation? Yeah,
2: I kind of did as the year went on. I think the the, the kids themselves did a real good job of uh, improving as the year went on. I mean, I think once when we won the Henhud tournament and placed third in the county tournament, I think we all started believing, you know, we were right in there with anybody.
1: Let, let's talk about the two champs, the two kids that are going to state. Uh, first up at 106, Lenny Balducci yeah you know, lenny's the guy that last year i think I believe it was just a point or maybe two points away from winning the ninety nine pound section final this year he comes out and pretty much dominates at one oh six He's only a freshman. I mean, what is the upside for this kid
2: um I just think the upside is huge um He works really hard in the off season um he's very focused um just technically sound and he and he's deceivingly strong for a little guy.
1: Is he a guy who you think we could be looking at as, as possibly making it to the podium up in Albany?
2: I I would think that he's a, he could do it. Um, you know, you never know what you get once you get up there, but I think he could do it. And uh, you know, he he wrestled some tough kids this year, so I think that's going to help him when he gets up there.
1: I wanted to talk a little bit about your, your background with the Balducci family because I know Lenny's father helps you out as an assistant coach. I know you also coached him. Uh, and I know you've had a lot uh, to do with this family over the years, you know, with them wrestling all throughout, you know, when you were at Irvington and now at Pleasantville. Can you give me a little background on, on how close you've been with this family over the years and how many good wrestlers they've had?
2: Yeah, we've we've basically been close ever since Lenny uh, first wrestled when he was in uh, middle school. And, um, then you know, he, he was my first section champ I ever coached when it was only one division, and his brother was a uh, two-time state pl- place finisher and a uh, state champ. And uh, young Lenny I've known s- since he's been a baby. You know, uh, I teach part of the day in the elementary school, and I'd have him in gym class, and uh, I'd go up to him and, you know, get in this wrestling stance, and he'd do a single-leg takedown on me when he was, like, in second grade.
1: <laughs> so, uh, you were – now, how long were you at Irvington before you came to Pleasantville? I th- uh, seven years. Mm-hmm. And you've been at Pleasantville since when? Uh,
2: Nineteen
1: ninety. Wow! So you've had you've had a pretty good run there. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't. I, based on how passionate you are about the sport, I don't think I see you t- stopping anytime soon.
2: No, I, uh, I. I really do enjoy it. You now, people always ask me when you're going to retire, and uh, you know, I tell them I'm not sure when I'm going to retire from teaching, but I'm going to coach for a couple more years after I retire from teaching.
1: Well, and especially with this team you've got, you've got a lot of young talent that will be around for a few more years. Uh, another one of those guys is Victor Perleschi. He's, he's only a sophomore. He was the, uh, the champion at 120 pounds. I think in the beginning of the season, that was a weight class that we looked at in Division Two when we weren't really sure if there was a clear-cut favorite. But over the, years, over the course of the season, Victor kind of distinguished himself. What have you seen in terms of his growth?
2: Uh, Victor is just he he just fears nobody all year long when we would wrestle a team if somebody was within one or two weight classes of him he wanted to bump up and wrestle that wrestler I mean when we wrestled Pearl River he wrestled one of their top wrestlers Um, you know he was just ready all year to face the competition
1: and with with Lenny being a freshman Victor being a sophomore I know you've got a lot of other young guys that you feel good about I mean do you feel like the future is only going to get better, and, and this team could be, you know, even stronger in the next year or two.
2: I think so. Um, I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Pearl River, and Pauling are going to be very strong, along with Putnam Valley is always strong next year. But I think we'll be right in the mix again, and then the year after, I should have quite a few who have been on varsity for three years, and um, hopefully, we'll contend for a title.
1: It, it's nice to see the way that things are coming together in Division Two right now, because the last couple of years. You know, it was kind of Putnam Valley and Pearl River duking it out for that top spot, and then everybody else. Now, now this year, you guys came out, you know, came out of nowhere and, and made it interesting, and ended up winning the whole thing. You mentioned Pauling getting better. Is that encouraging for you that you you see the depth improving in Division Two, and you think that that especially with that top four that we talked about, you know, you guys are really going to be duking out in the next few years?
2: Yeah, I think I think Division Two is definitely going to improve. I mean, Edgemont always always improves from year to year, and um. I believe Hen Hud is going to be back down at D2 next year, so that's going to add some depth to D2 also and make the tournament much more competitive.
1: Now, how do you size up the D2 team that's going up to states in in a couple of weeks here? Do you think we have a chance for some champs, guys that are going to place? I mean, I know comparatively speaking to Division one, there's, there's a little more depth up there in Section one, and, and they've traditionally in recent years done better at states, but but how do you size up the D, the D2 team this year?
2: I think there's some tough kids, you know, I don't, you know, it's always tough to be a state champ, but uh, you got to think Clifton Wang's going to be right in there. And uh, Satoshi Abe, who's been there before and, you know, they've wrestled in the Eastern States and they, they know the competition and I don't think they're going to be intimidated. And I think they could definitely do something up there along with some of the others who can be in those top six spots.
1: Yeah. I think, I think those are probably the two big names that you mentioned that everybody's talking about, uh, Wong and Abe. They're both seniors. They've been to state. I believe this is the fourth time for Clifton and the third time for Satoshi. Uh, a couple of those Putnam Valley guys, maybe a Pearl River kid like Jack Chessman or Anthony Malfitano. Uh, I'm curious because I think, I think Wong might be the best shot at a state champ, but I think that you know there's a solid five or six, seven other guys that, that could legitimately end up placing, and that would be good because I believe Division Two only had four or five to place last year. So Ideally, you want to see that improving from year to year.
2: Yeah, we'd definitely like to see that improve because, you know, when it comes down to wild cards, that's one of the the key determining uh, factors when you look at uh, points how the team has done in the past to add some bonus points to that wild card formula. Yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. All right, Bob, well, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations again. Uh, I'll say it here now. I had it wrong. You guys proved me wrong, and I'm happy to say so. It was a great job. Uh, You and Steve and everybody over there have done an awesome job developing this program. And like I said, I think you guys are going to be around for years to come. So so best of luck, and I'm sure I'll be seeing you sometime in the next few days, and and especially at Albany.
2: Okay, thank you. I really appreciate it, James.
1: Take care. All right, Coach. Take care. Thanks a lot.